Hi, my name is Ozzy Jurok. I'm the host of OzBuzz, where we pride ourselves on inviting eclectic and successful people in and around the real estate umbrella. And today we're very fortunate to have with us Mr. Kyle Green, who has been uh, in the brokerage, the mortgage brokerage industry since 2006 and has funded an unbelievable $1 billion in his career. But not only that, he's the owner of Green Mortgage, which has been in the top 25 of funded volume in Canada since 2017. That's an incredible record. And if that wasn't enough, he's also the owner of Origin Mortgages, a brokerage in Vancouver with over 50 agents, which funds more than $1 billion per year in mortgages. So in addition to that, he specializes working with investors since 2008. He's been a speaker at many of our land rush events, and he's helped literally hundreds and hundreds of investors create mortgages that they were turned down elsewhere. So welcome, Kyle. Yeah, happy to be here. Well, we're in, in, in an interesting world. We're in August 2023. And, uh, you know, is it the right time to buy real estate? <laughs> Good question. Um, it's a hard question to answer. I think that the tough part is, as it as it stands right now, with interest rates going up as much as they have, and values coming down a bit, but not not enough to offset this cost, um, you know, it's it's hard to say that now is a great time to buy real estate. I think that the tough part and the the difficult question here is where are we going to be in in let's say two years time? Um, right now, we have a ton of immigrants moving moving here. All these people are, are going to be looking for housing if they aren't already looking for housing. Um, we also have a interesting situation where I know that a lot of the small to medium sized developers that we work with are choosing not to start projects right now. Their margins are getting compressed considerably because of um, concern about inflation, uh, inflationary pressures on the costs, and also having to pre-sell units at today's low prices or, or depressed prices um, makes it a little bit more difficult for them to, to justify that. And then you throw in and mix in just a little bit of, uh, of interest rates falling in the next couple of years. And you have a, a perfect storm for initially what I thought might be a mini boom. Um, but now I'm thinking it might be a full on boom um, in about two years time. Um, even when interest rates fell earlier in the in the spring here, just a few months ago, um, the interest rate uh, environment had dropped and and uh, and values had uh, had started to come back up again in a very short period of time. So yeah. it doesn't take much. I think there's a lot of people sitting on the sidelines wanting to buy, and I think the problem is that if you if you buy um, and buy in two years, I think it'll be a worse time than it is today. So is now a great time to buy? Not, not really, but is two years time better? No, um, I think it'll be worse. So you know the advice to a lot of our clients is buy buy, uh, or at least consider buying if you find a good deal with maybe a short-term fixed rate mortgage. Um, and then when that comes up for renewal, your costs will reset and uh, it'll be a much better deal at that time. Well, certainly that that's exactly where we are. I mean, in my own view, uh, there's several questions you have to ask yourself whether you should buy. And the number one question, do you expect an inflationary environment or not? And I've been writing in my book in 1998, that if you kept on printing money the way we did from 1965 to 1998, every house in Vancouver would be worth five million. Well, we, on the west side, we actually hit four million a year ago. So, uh, I, like you, I agree the market will be certainly much better in price-wise in the future, no doubt about it. But the second part of the equation is, and you pointed that out, is timing, right? But what what's the time? When is it going to happen? And clearly, right throughout the history of the market, it's always gone up eventually, but there were good times and bad times. 
And so um, everybody, of course, wants to know what's happening with the rates right now. So what what is it that you see? Maybe where are they right now? Yeah, uh, this will be a shock to those that haven't been following uh, rates for quite some time. But uh, but most terms are over six percent right now. Uh, in fact, the shorter the term, the higher the interest rate. So we're in a weird environment right now. Um, the uh, the finance nerds will will say that the um, the yield curve is inverted, meaning that shorter term money is more expensive than longer term money. Typically, this is the opposite. Um, the reason that this is inverted is because there's an expectation that interest rates will fall over the next couple of years, not that they will go up. Um, interestingly enough, this inversion of, of short-term money being more expensive than long-term money is also um, a, a very interesting precursor to, um, to typical recessionary periods in the future as well. Um, and so, uh, so we're in an interesting time where if you wanted a one-year fix, as an example, almost every bank's going to be right around 7% interest. Just crazy. Or oh, one-year term, which would yeah. have been a one-and-a-half or 2% a year and a half ago, right? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy how much they've gone up. I mean, we were we were placing mortgages in 2021 at 1.59%, 1.69%, five-year fixed. Yeah. And people said, I'm going to be till it's 1.4. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, it, it was it was crazy time that people like, oh, you know, you when going back and forth and shopping it around to find the best rates, like it's 1.69. It's pretty good, right? Yeah. Um, of course, they'd started to go up. And by the time that we were in early 2022, the fixed rates were just a little over 2% and then they just took off like a rocket. And, um, and just over the last 18 months, we've gone from, I would say low twos to mid twos for five-year money up to about 6% for five-year money. And so uh, huge, huge increases. Yeah. It's not so much even the increases, it's the speed with which yeah. the increases were put on us. You know, I mean, I think I put in my Osbaz newsletter, the 50 year history of five-year term mortgages and really there's only five years out of 50 where we actually had mortgages, five-year terms below 5%. But it was mm -hmm. all 2016, 17, 18, and like in the last little while. So anybody came into the market that was 22 years old or so and ready to buy, they used mm -hmm. to own those new rates and they expect rates to go back down there. Now, what is your view? Do you see them ever back at 2%? I mean, it, it's probably that it, it, at some point in the future that interest rates will will fall back to that level. But I also am getting the sense that um, that it won't be in the near term here. Um, I think that we're going to see interest rates drop, and it, we'll see them drop over the next couple of years. But the general expectation is that we might get into um, into a, a situation where the prime rate might be hovering around a new neutral rate zone of somewhere between three and a half and four point seven percent, like somewhere in that kind of range. Um, Which would so, be a good rate historically. I remember yeah. my whole portfolio in the 80s and 90s was over 10%. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For some reason, today's today's 6% is not scary. And you, you may very well, and I've argued that me, the government will probably keep the rates there. They won't, they won't go back to two. They may well go into the fours. So yeah. what is happening in the market then uh, based on the changes in the mortgages? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, boots on the ground. Um, we do have less applications coming in the door. There's no doubt about it. Um, so it has uh, has decreased. I would say, you know, if I look at my uh, year over year numbers, um, they're down a fair bit. And even 2022 versus 2021, we're down. Um, so, you know, we we were down about 20 percent from maybe 15 to 20 percent from uh, 2022 versus 2021. 
2023 versus 2022 is probably down more like 50%. It's considerable. Yeah. Um, but the then you were always at the top end. I mean, you were, you know, you had remarkable volumes. I mean, you yeah. couldn't expect it to continue, but that's yeah. quite a drop. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's quite the drop. Um, another function of that is that a lot of our clients are real estate investors, and a lot of those investor clients decided to just sit on the sidelines and wait this out. Uh, a lot of the activity that I see is actually more homeowners purchasing as opposed to investors purchasing, which is interesting. Um, which historically, um, it, it investors are always a counter lever to um, to normal market circumstances in most cases, anyways, and they haven't been in this circumstance. So. Um, interest rates rising is definitely putting in a, a dampening effect on things. And as brokers, it's not just purchasing volume in the um, in the marketplace, but it's also refinancing and renewals. And uh, historically, the refinancing and renewals portion has always been 60% or so of our business. And that has been um, uh, sig- has significantly dropped just because on the refinancing, who's going to refinance and take yeah. a higher interest rate, right? This, that's not happening. Um, and then not the renewal- until they must, you know, un- un- unless they have to, right? It can't coming due. And the exactly. expectation is by the Mortgage Institute that the, um, I guess, next year and the year after is a lot of the five-year money is coming due. Right? Yeah, yeah. It, a lot of it, yeah. And if you look at it, um, a lot of people redid their mortgages back in 2020, 2021 um, for good reason. So a lot of those renewals are now getting pushed out. So we have less renewals coming up um, this year and, and next year. Uh, but on, on top of that, too, we um, uh, it's harder to to do anything there. You're just not you're not able to move a lot of these clients that are coming up for renewal because the, the rates are higher. Therefore, the stress test rate is higher. And you can't even move these clients. You know, if you're renewing at an interest rate of 6.29% for a three-year fixed rate, which is kind of a going rate right now, um, the stress test rate is 8.29%. You have to qualify as if your rate is 8.29. So it's pretty high. So, so it's, it's, it's much harder to qualify in general, but particularly on the stress test side. In terms of qualifying, I understand the banks and the financial institution want a lot more information from us mm-hmm. ever before. I mean, you really, you have been preaching to our investors that you got to get ready. You know, you cannot just sort of wait till the last minute. If you're going to be buying something, get your ducks in a row. What, what, do, you, what do the banks look for? Everything. <laughs> Everything. I mean, the, the primary is definitely um, debt servicing. So um, that's, that's the core that they, everything revolves around. Um, they want to know that your income can support your debts. And to put this in perspective, it used to be that you could multiply your income by about five, and that would be your maximum borrowing power. So if you have no other debts and you're just going to buy your own home, you could take your income and multiply by five, and that would be the approximate mortgage amount you could qualify for. Now that number is multiplying it by four. So it's compressed by about 20%. It's considerable. So if you make $100,000 a year, you used to be able to buy something for $500,000 or borrow $500,000. Now you can only borrow about $400,000. So... Um, that's definitely an, an issue and a concern. Now, there are some special programs like net worth programs or self-employed programs where people can qualify. But um, but at the end of the day, even those programs are still coming down to some form of debt servicing. Even with the net worth programs, they say, okay, how much can your income support? And then how much uh, net worth do you have in adding that liquid net worth on top of what your income can support? Basically saying, well, if you sold off all of your liquid assets, you could reduce your mortgage down to what your income could carry. So 
everything at its core actually comes down to the debt service uh, ratio, unless you're getting into B lending and private lending, the more expensive funding. So let's say I have a portfolio of rental income. Uh, it used to be a certain percentage of that income would be um, helping me in my debt service. Is that yeah. still the case? It is, yeah. And so in general, it's about 50 to 80% of that rental income is, is used. Uh, there are some uh, extreme examples where some credit unions will sometimes use up to uh, 85 or 90% of that rental income. Okay. Um, the problem is that those credit unions also um, come into and out of money quickly. And so when the market was really hot, they had to continue to pull back and and they continue to just change their policies. But they tend to be a bit more fluid, um, whereas the banks have, have more rigid policies and they tend to change a little less. Um, but uh, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it is difficult in, in you know, greater Vancouver, for instance, if you put 20% down on a property, it's probably not cash flowing to you, but yeah. then to the bank, if they use 50 to 80% of the rental income, well, it's definitely not cash flowing with 20% down. So Almost every rental property in somebody's portfolio is, is traditionally it's a net negative on your application, not a net positive. Yeah, the interesting thing is too that investors have to understand they want facts. They want your lease agreements from your with your tenants. They want yeah. anything to do, like you said, everything. I mean, they want the firstborn name of your children that you haven't born yet. You know, I mean, <laughs> and, you know, for somebody who's been in the business for a long time. Um, they don't, oh, well, we don't need that. No, you do need this. Now, the, the, I mean, banks are scared. Look, it's, it's, a, it's a scary kind of a world when we have the U.S. government being downgraded, and then you have some 27 banks downgraded or are 10 downgraded and five put yeah. on notice. And, and then you say, and then we forget that there's 4,000 banks in the United States. It's quite normal that uh, one of yeah. the other banks, uh, you know, we have five banks that has 4,000 branches, they got 4,000 banks at one branch. And so it's much more likely for them to have problems. But because there is that anticipated problems that banks have, they're going to be tougher, no question about it. Yeah. But is, is there any changes coming that would affect investors? Well, yeah, um, there's there's one that's coming up and it's coming up now. It's starting to come up now anyways, um, which is that a home equity line of credit, you can only re-advance. And as basically as you, as you pay down your mortgage, typically what we would recommend is you get a mortgage that's re-advanceable. So as you pay down your mortgage, your line of credit limit increases dollar for dollar as you pay down the mortgage. Um, however, there's some new policies coming in um, right now. So it's it's as of uh, October, the banks have to do this, but some lenders are already making the change where... You can still have a mortgage and a line of credit. You can still go up to 80% in total financing. But if you did that, each dollar that you paid on the mortgage will not increase the line of credit until you're below 65% financing overall. So um, so there's a little bit less extra additional credit you can access. Um, that's something that uh, that has has come, come through the pipe. Um, there's also been um, a lot of talk about changing the way that we uh, that we qualify for mortgages as well. So instead of looking at a debt service ratio, looking at a loan to income ratio. Mm. Uh, so earlier, I was mentioning, you know, you multiply your income by four or by five, and that's your borrowing power. Um, there is some precedence for this because the Bank of Canada, or at least not the Bank of Canada, but um, but Canadian government has started to use this. For example, the first time home buyer. Uh, home partnership program that they used a little while ago. They had some uh, some loan to income ratio requirements where the uh, they would only do it if the uh, loan was no more than four hundred and fifty percent higher than your income. So that would be a four point five 
um, right. uh, multiplier. Um, so interestingly, I think the UK does use this methodology. And I can say as the mortgage broker, actually, it would make our lives a lot easier because instead of telling a client, okay, for this mortgage with this lender, for this term, you qualify for this much. But if you if you go over here to this lender and get and take this term, now all of a sudden you qualify for a little bit less because every time the rates change, the mm. qualification changes, right? Yeah. If you just had a static amount that you qualified for, regardless of the term that you chose, it's actually a lot easier to uh, to look at options. And in some cases right now, Ozzy, and I don't, you know, I'm not a huge proponent of this, but some of our clients have to take a five year fixed rate because it's just the lowest option available in the marketplace even though we don't think that that's the best option because now you're locking in for a long period of time at a rate that's kind of at the peak. So it's kind of an interesting situation. Um, we also saw the opposite of this last year where when rates were moving up, uh, the fixed rates had moved quicker than the, than the, um, uh, the, the variable rates had because the fixed rates are correlated with bonds and bond markets started to move up very quickly early in 2022. Right. Uh, and Canada was lagging behind. So guess what? Clients taking variable rates could qualify for more money. And so take, putting clients into variable rates, even though we knew that the rates were going up because it's the only way that they could qualify for a mortgage. So how backwards is that? That doesn't make sense. So I think that was a concern for the for the government as well. But it's very clear to me that you need an expert to help you. I mean, who is going to know all the multitudes of rules and regulations? And, you know, the, the thing is, first of all, do I have a good deal? Do I want to buy a home? I always feel as a homeowner, whenever you can afford it, buy it. Buy the best you can afford. It's done very well over the years as an investment. But as an investor, you just simply have to have somebody that understands your portfolio. And, and also there's private money out there. I mean, how about private money? Is it still available? It is, although a lot of the private lenders um, have have had definitely over the summer have had a lot more deals coming to them and they can pick and choose which ones they want to do. And so there's definitely this situation where I've been working on some deals that look doable. You take it to the lenders and they say, honestly, Kyle, I think six months ago or four months ago, I probably would have done it. But now I've got all these other good, juicy deals on my plate that I'd rather do instead of this one. So they're taking the cream of the crop. Um, so they're expensive money, too. No? Oh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you you look at it and you're quoting clients like every almost every private mortgage is in the double digits now. Um, and and you explain that it's just it's prime plus four. You know, that's kind of a, a going rate for um, uh, for a private mortgage. And when prime is two point four five, we were getting private money at six and a half. You know, now it's eleven point two for private money. It's the same prime plus number, but it's just a way higher prime. Yeah. No question. Again, you need you need the experts. Now we have an hour market where, you know, maybe three years ago, high rise was started and they all come and do early next year. Or there's a lot of construction coming due, and some of the people that bought a pre-sale unit mm-hmm. maybe thought they could easily afford it at the then prevailing rates, and now they're biting their fingernails. Uh, is mm-hmm. there still a pre? If you have a pre-sale completing soon. Um, what's what? How long in advance do banks guarantee the rate? Yeah, so in certain cases, um, you can get longer than this, but most banks will will do a rate hold for eighteen to twenty four months. Um, and in fact, they will fully approve you now, and then they do not need to reapprove you after um, as long as you close within that eighteen to twenty four month window. 
which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, some banks will offer rate holds that are longer than 24 months. They usually have to approve the project specifically, so there's a bit more due diligence to dive into it. A lot of the time what you'll find is that the bank that's providing the financing to the developer often will be the bank that also has a, a rate hold kind of guarantee. Um, but usually if it extends and the rate hold guarantee is longer than two years, then they also will not fully approve the borrower today and then not have to go back into the the, uh, the qualifications, which is just great. I mean, you could go get a mortgage approval now for a property that closes in 18 months. And as long as it closes within 18 to 24 months, um, regardless, even if you lose your job, your deal is still fully approved. Which that's is, that's uh, kind of amazing because normally these pre-approvals weren't necessarily guaranteed because you had to show your employment and all that at the time that you actually took yeah. out the mortgage. If I can get it ahead of time, that is really uh, something we want to make sure that we tell to our clients. So if they lock in now, the rates, yeah. of course, are very high, right? They are. So what you what the banks will do They'll um, take the current interest rates, premium them because they always want to build a cushion just in case rates continue to climb. Uh, then they approve you at that higher rate. And then that's your worst case scenario. So if rates continue to climb, then you still have that rate secured. However, um, when, when you're going to close, if the rates with that bank are lower, then you can do a one-time drop before closing. So if the rates do come back down, you still get to take advantage of, of getting a market rate at that time. So there's, there's really no reason not to do it. Um, you know, you, you get qualified just in case you lose your job. Um, you have a, a, a worst case interest rate and you still get to take their, their, their actual interest rates at the time of closing if they're lower. So that, that is a very, very important point. I want to make sure that I share that uh, with everybody, but talk about sharing. Is there anything else you can share or any tools that you have that uh, would help borrowers at this time? Yeah. Um, you know me, I love my spreadsheets, Ozzy. So, <laughs> yeah, the best spreadsheet in the world. I've said it for years, you should charge yeah. for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got lots of them. Um, the the one that I've been sending out a lot is the question that comes up is, should I lock in my mortgage or should I stay variable or, or my renewals coming up? Should I go short-term fixed or long-term fixed or what should I do? Mm-hmm. So I created a tool that helps compare a short-term fix versus a long-term fix. And it just basically looks at where the rates would have to be upon the renewal of the shorter term for you to be better off or worse off taking the short term versus the long term. Um, so it's a, it's not a, a super complex calculation, uh, calculation, but it looks at the break even rate. So that way you can say, Hey, here's the break even rate. Do you think that rates will be higher or lower than this in two years time? If you took a two year fixed versus a five year, as an example, um, the spreadsheet also has a, a tab that allows you to look at a variable rate mortgage versus a, a fixed rate mortgage as well. So we have a, and we keep updating the, the, um, the general expectations with the, uh, with the marketplace as far as what, what's going to happen with variable rates and who actually knows what's going to happen. Um, but we, we keep that up to date inside of the, uh, the spreadsheet. That way you can compare what things would look like if that was to come true by being in a variable versus being in a fix. And we're still a bit early to be jumping into variable rates. Um, however, Technically, if you have a deep discount variable, technically with the uh, the general market um, expectations, a variable would outperform a fix. But you know what? We also thought that a year ago and the general market circumstances have changed. So it's hard to feel comfortable putting a client into a variable as until we get really tight to that window where we expect rates to drop. But um, that's been a, a really useful tool. Um, 
And last but not least, we've also been working on something where uh, we have a tool now that uh, that is going to be introduced to our, our customers just within the next couple of days where you can um, you can apply with us without sending an application, without sending documents, without uh, doing anything. You just fill in a uh, an online form and then we can take that into our, our um, program in the back end and we can work out an estimated uh, qual- qualification for you. So you, even if you have five properties, you'd usually have to send us like 200 pages of documents just to tell you if you qualify or not. Yeah. With this, give you a high level view of whether you're in the ballpark or not, and then decide if it makes sense to collect the documents and go through it. So it saves time for everybody on each side of the fence. That sounds very useful uh, because certainly uh, it gives you a snapshot at, at what's possible or what's not possible right up front. So that, that makes makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So in general terms, it's tougher. I think the, the question also, you always felt that, that you have to consider prepayment penalties if you are... Uh, an investor, because sometimes it is better to go short term just because the penalty isn't as outrageous as it could be on a five year term. Do you still feel that way? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a consideration. And so these these penalties with uh, with fixed rate mortgages, either three months interest or what's called the interest rate differential. And that calculation is the difference between your rate and current market rates if current market rates are lower. Well, if we expect rates to drop over the next couple of years, that could increase that spread and increase that cost to break the mortgage. If you have a short-term fixed rate, the way that these cal- these penalties are calculated is usually a bit more favorable. And also you have less time remaining on the mortgage, meaning that uh, that penalty is usually smaller. Um, I think that if you're going with a major bank and taking a five-year fixed rate, there's some, um, there's some level of concern over if you wanted to break that in two years time, your penalty could be very, very high if rates drop considerably. So um, in general, we're recommending shorter term fixed rates to, to, uh, to yeah, I mean, it's very important. You have to, as an investor, simply sit down and figure yourself out, right? What is my goal, right? Do I, I'm looking for a short term flip. I'm looking for a short term, uh, then go, go variable because the penalty itself might be much more important to understand than a, high, a 1% higher interest rates. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. So, well. Any final words of wisdom that you have? Um, you know, I, I'm I'm just starting to see that, and I'm hearing from from clients that there are starting to become a, you know like a few more deals on the market now. Uh, as the market slows, if it continues to slow uh, or stay slow, I mean, frankly, the summertime always slows down. August in particular, it's always slower, less less new applicants coming in. Um, but if it doesn't start to pick up again after probably mid-September, which is kind of normal, once the kids are back in school, people start looking again, doesn't start to pick up and there's sellers that really need to sell, there could be some opportunities. So it's always good to be prepared for that. Um, and, uh, and at some point it will make sense to buy investment properties again. It's just a matter of, of when. Um, but, uh, but there's always, there's always a good deal. Even if interest rates are high, if you can get a really good deal on something, then, uh, it may make sense to pull the trigger. So I've never seen the best deal at the top of a market as always seen when it was perceived to be uh, the bottom of the market. Oh, that's when I should have bought. Well, of course. How people get, get a hold of you. I know that you're an extremely busy man, but if I was going to go for that yep. high level evaluation, I would go to your website. Is that what I would do? Yeah. Yeah. You can send us an email at uh, info at greenmortgageteam.ca or you can call us at 604-229-5515. And it doesn't take us very long. If you, or even if you're just coming up for renewal and you just want to get some, some quick advice on A, are you getting the best rates from your bank? Um, And then B, 
should I go short-term fix or should I go variable? Which term should I choose? We can send you the analysis to give you that. It doesn't take us very long to do that. And it uh, just makes people feel a bit more comfortable with the decision they're making. So reach so out to me. listen to this on, on Spotify or Amazon Music or Apple, uh, and uh, you don't have an easy uh, memory, <laughs> just go to <laughs> ozbuzz.ca, go to ozcasts, and we have all that information that Carl just mentioned, phone number and contact, uh, email, and ask him for one of his spreadsheets and try and get it for free because uh, to me, they are still the, the best way to figure out what kind of property to buy and the length of term and all we just discussed. And then on YouTube, of course, we also have below, if you're watching this below, uh, all the contact information. Carl, thank you so much for taking the time. Valuable information. And I know every investor and every homeowner is well served to deal with uh, Carl Green and Green Mortgage. Thanks for coming. Yeah, yeah thanks.